<laughs> hey now, what up though? It's Jay Scott Smith here, the host of the People's Podcast, JSC Radio. And you might be wondering why I call it the People's Podcast. Well, I've got a brand new reason for me to call it the People's Podcast because I'm putting the future of this show into your hands. This show is now on Patreon. And what Patreon is, it's going to help you the JSC Radio listener, the JSC Radio follower and fan contribute to the show in whatever way you see fit. That's right. Looking for people to help keep this show moving. Whether you want to donate $1 an episode, hell, $1 a month for $5 per episode. I'll shout you out on this show and you'll even be able to vote on exclusive polls and exclusive half episodes. That's right, JSC exclusives. You'll get to hear those half episodes before anyone else. For $10 or more per episode, now it gets fun because you get to be a sponsor on this show. You got a business, you want me to talk about it, I want you to sponsor my show. For $10, hit me up, send me the script, I'm putting you over. Plus, you get all the other cool stuff that comes with it. For $25 an episode, same thing applies, except this time, you will become an official segment sponsor. Do you want a segment of this show sponsored by your business? Of course you do. That's why you want to hit me up on Patreon. For more information on how to become a sponsor of JSC Radio, go to patreon.com slash JSC Radio. Patreon.com slash JSC Radio, and you can truly help this become the People's Podcast. This is JSC Radio. I don't really know what words I can describe that are fit for FCC airwaves (laughs) or to explain the, the the tragic decisions by J.R. Smith. I'm talk. You talk about asleep at the wheel. I got to tell you something right now. That is as, as inexcusable of a mistake as you can possibly make. It's not like it was in the throes of action. You are at your George Hill. You're at the free throw line. You have an opportunity to take a deep breath, pause, collect your thoughts, and what have you. And still standing at the free throw line where he was inexplicably not boxed out. He grabs an offensive rebound and runs out as if trying to run the clock out because he thinks they have the lead and ultimately blows it and sends the game into overtime. LeBron James is looking at him like he has to be the most idiotic individual on the planet Earth. He looks at LeBron James and says, I didn't know. I thought we were up. And there you have it. You saw what happened in overtime. I think about C. Webb. C. Weber, Chris Weber calling a timeout when there were no timeouts for a national championship on the line. I think about the great Isaiah Thomas, a two-time champion, one of the greatest guards we've ever seen in NBA history, throwing the ball in bounds under Boston's basket or near under Boston's back basket. But I, I, I just don't know what to say about this. Look, man, I, I just don't know what to say. Scott, yep. it is rare that I am relatively speechless. <laughs> Check it out. This is JSC Radio. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages. I'm I'm not related to JR. Hey now! My name is Jay Scott Smith, and this is the 78th episode of the People's Podcast. This is JSC Radio. Welcome back once again, my friends, to the podcast that never f***ing ends. The first one of the month of June as summer is creeping up on everyone here in the United States, all over North America and all over the world where you're listening to and supporting this damn podcast. And trust me, I see y'all checking in from different parts of the world, and I certainly 
Appreciate that. You're checking in all over the world, whether it's on Apple Podcasts, iTunes, whether it's on SoundCloud at soundcloud.com slash JSC Radio, whether it's Stitcher Radio, Google Play, TuneIn, Audio Boom, iHeartRadio, and last but damn sure not least, Spotify. Be sure to hit the Mind of J. Scott Smith playlist on Spotify right now. Become a follower. It's constantly updating. It's great for the road trips. Just went on one and was able to listen to it the whole way through without stopping. That's how big the damn thing is. It can become your favorite radio station just like that. Your favorite website is jscottsmith.com. You can follow me on the Twitter machine at J. Scott Smith. That's J-A-Y-S-C-O two T's S-M-I-T-H. I am real J. Scott Smith on Facebook. Original. I, by the way, I'm verified on both Twitter and Facebook. You can also follow the show at JSC Radio. And I am on the gram at, again, J. Scott Smith. J-A-Y-S-C-O two T's. S-M-I-T-H. J. Scott Smith. No relation to JR. I originally had recorded this episode to be kind of a preview of these NBA finals. But with the crazy time constraints, plus with all the things I have going on, and I've got some really cool shit coming as we go forward, it gets a little hectic. I'm still doing the podcast. In fact, this this some bitch is about to get bigger. But I wasn't able to fully do justice to a preview episode. Oh, understand when this thing ends, and it's probably going to be over in about a week, when this thing ends, the yearly tradition will continue. But I have to say, before I kind of flip it into a look out for the rest of the series type of situation, I will say this, and I try to keep it as succinct as I possibly can. J.R. Smith is a fucking idiot. It's just mind-blowing. We all saw that game. Game one, 2018 NBA Finals. The same as the 2017 NBA Finals, which was the same as the 2016 NBA Finals, which was the same as the 2015 NBA Finals. The Golden State Warriors, the defending champs against the Cleveland Cavaliers. Unbelievable first game. By far the best opportunity Cleveland had to swipe a game in Oakland in this series because they ain't getting another shot at that. That was it. LeBron James, as he's been, these entire playoffs has been masterful. Unbelievable. He's been a one-man wrecking crew from the moment they got on the floor against the Pacers in round one. He has been magnificent. He scores 51 points. 51 in an NBA Finals game. Just the sixth man to post a 50-burger in the NBA Finals. Joining the likes of Michael Jordan. And, And yes, we'll talk about that. Michael Jordan. Elgin Baylor, who scored 61, the all-time record. Jerry West. Bob Pettit. Rick Barry. And now LeBron James. But Bron is the only one to post a 50-burger and lose. He took an L. And part of that L has a whole lot to do, not with the referees. I don't, I don't let you get away with that referee, that referee or referee, whichever, Humpty Bumpty around here. That call, while it was not the best time to make it, 
That's the whole reason the rule was installed. LeBron actually did commit a foul. He was moving. The replay clearly shows it. So it was the right call. Could you imagine if it goes the other way? And LeBron looks like he's about to go into the lane, offensive foul, but they do the replay and see that, well, no, actually it was not an offensive foul. He goes to the free throw line. Would you be crying about the refs then? I didn't think so. It was a good call. Plus, they ended up taking the lead shortly thereafter anyway, only to have Steph go back down the floor, get a very, very tricky and one free throw, 107-106. They go back down the floor. Braun, who's the focal point of every damn thing, has them shook, has them on their heels, skip pass into the lane for a cutting George Hill who's grabbed and fouled by Klay Thompson. George Hill, 80% free throw shooter, 81 for the playoffs, calmly makes the first, and then all hell breaks loose on the second. And by the way, how happy is George Hill right now? You want to talk about skating? That's George Hill. George Hill, a very reliable three-point shooter, a very reliable free throw shooter, a pretty reliable scorer when he was with the Pacers and the Spurs. Short arms, the biggest free throw of his life, and the rebound finds its way here. Hill misses. Rebound goes to the Cavs. J.R. Smith brings it back out. Throws it to Hill. Hill shot blocked. And we'll go to overtime. You get the feeling J.R. Smith thought they had the lead. Listen, J.R. Smith is a man who's never afraid to shoot, even when it's the worst possible time, even when you don't need to shoot. If there were ever a point, the one situation where J.R. Smith getting the ball in his hands and instantly putting it back up would have made sense, last night was the time. That was the time, Jr. He falls out of bed and takes an ill-advised shot. He got the ball, got this rebound. All the other players, both the Warriors and Cavs, are all fading one way. He got the rebound and cut the other way. And when he got that rebound, initially, I, he, he had a look right under the basket to put it back up. He had at least two steps on everybody after they all realized he got the ball to turn and put one up from the elbow. I thought that he was sprinting out to the three-point line like the Rockets were, and I'll I'll get a second about them, sprinting out to the three-point line like the Rockets were against Golden State in game six and seven. But he just kept running. It looked like he was going to run across the timeline and get popped for an over and back because he was hauling ass off the floor. And it happened so fast. LeBron has to stop him, and by the time he turns around and fires it over to George Hill in the corner, time is already running out, and it gets rejected by Durant on the way up. The ABC cameras catch JR with the now infamous meme of LeBron looking like an angered, disappointed parent yelling at his idiot son, and JR with the look of a man who might have had one too many blunts and a couple too many drinks, says to LeBron, clearly, on camera, I thought we were ahead. 
No, dude. It was tied at 107. Let me say this again. It was tied. Everybody in the damn arena, every member of the Warriors, every member of the Cavaliers, everyone in the stands, everyone who works at the arena, the old man with the really cool afro who sits a long press row in Oakland, Rosgold on Wooday at the crib on Twitter, everybody watching on TV, even the motherfuckers that aren't watching the game, all knew the damn thing was tied. You heard the comparison from Stephen A. to Chris Webber calling timeout when they had none in 1993. You heard him make reference to one of the worst sports moments of my life when Isaiah Thomas, when it appeared the Pistons were on their way to swiping a win in Boston in game five of the 1987 Eastern Conference Finals. Panics does not take a timeout, and Chuck Daly was calling for one, but he didn't see him. Inbounds the ball, and we all know how it we all know how it ended. And now there's a steal by Burr. Underneath the DJ lays it in. Right up one second left. What a play by Burr. I never thought I'd play that damn on anything of mine, but for God's sake, I needed to for the sake of this. Those two things happen in the flow of a game. It was not a situation where they did not know the situation. Chris Weber, highly experienced player, was still 20 years old and in college. Isaiah, Zeke got head faked and just simply made a bad pass. JR literally did not know what the score was in game one of the fucking NBA Finals. He's been in the league for 15 years. Are you kidding me with this? And the only thing that makes it worse is that this game goes to OT, and you could tell by the Cavaliers' body language. As soon as overtime started, this game and probably this series was donezo. The Warriors come out and score the first nine points of OT, and it's not even a contest after that. They end up winning at 124-114. They might as well have just ended the game when JR was trying to play hero ball by, for once, not playing hero ball. And the only thing more outrageous than this, this damn fool thinking that the game was over and trying to run away with the ball. And this is after we've caught you on camera saying straight up no chaser that you thought you were leading you thought you were leading straight up you thought you were leading you then with a goddamn straight face get in front of those ESPN cameras as if we didn't already know that you said you thought they were leading and you say this. I got the rebound. Um, we were tie ball game. Um, we had a timeout. And I was trying to get enough space because uh, I obviously can't stand it right there. Um, trying to get enough space to bring it out to get it, maybe get a shot off. And then I see him. I looked, I looked over at Brian. He looked like he was trying to call a timeout. So I just stopped. And then uh, 
the game was over. You knew you were tied. You didn't think you were leading. No, I seen it. I knew we were tied. It's just I thought we was gonna call a timeout because I got the rebound. Uh, I'm pretty sure everybody didn't think I was gonna shoot over Katie right there. So on the replay, on the replay, it looked like you said to LeBron, "I thought we were ahead." If I thought we were ahead, then I, I would have just held on to the ball that fouled me. But we, clearly that wasn't the case. It's not just that he insisted that he knew the game was tied. It's the level of confidence he showed in lying. If he's that bold enough to stand in front of reporters who saw him say he thought they were leading, and tell him that he got the game was tied. I feel very, very sorry for whatever woman is with him. Because you know that boy has no scruples about lying when he's caught on camera. He pulled the shaggy, it wasn't me. He might as well have just said it wasn't me. I would have believed him. I would have taken that more under consideration than him sitting there and trying to Jedi mind trick people into thinking he knew the damn game was tied. Negro, you didn't know that game was tied. You knew you, you thought you were up one. You thought you had saved the day. You were ready to start posing. You looked at LeBron like, what, what the hell are, what the hell's the problem? Why are you tripping? Here's the thing. I'm no fan of the Cleveland Cavaliers. I'm no fan of the city of Cleveland. I'm not really fond of the entire damn state of Ohio. Toledo's okay. Cincinnati's pretty cool. Everything else in between, toilet water. LeBron James is having the type of postseason, the type of singular postseason that we may have never, we may never see again. Never. He's somehow taken this ragtag batch of misfits and Kevin Love, dragged them kicking and screaming through the playoffs, through two seven-game series with a breather against the Toronto Raptors where the Cavs actually looked like a conference champion. He's dragged this ragtag bag of bad news bears this whole postseason. They fought tooth and nail with the Indiana Pacers for seven games. LeBron legit had to save their ass four times in that series. They sweep Toronto because the Raptors have no heart. They get into the conference finals and had to fight like hell. They got their ass kicked three times in Boston. They went home and kicked Boston's ass three times. And then when the game finally mattered, game seven, they go to Boston and choke out the Celtics. Tipped and taken by James. Here comes James in the open floor. James grabbed from behind. Count it. Goal 10 and one. Mama, there goes that man. And again, this crowd absolutely stunned. LeBron does it almost single-handedly. They get to the NBA Finals where, I'm just going to say it right now, I had Golden State doing it the same thing this year that they did last year. Five games, a gentleman's sweep. With a pretty good chance a regular sweep could happen, even with LeBron going off. And LeBron goes out there and is Game magnificent. He has the sixth best scoring game in the history of the NBA Finals. He did what Wilt Chamberlain never did in the NBA Finals. He did what Kobe Bryant never did in the NBA Finals. And that's post up a 50-burger on the road in game one against arguably the best team of the last decade in the Golden State Warriors. Had a lead late. Steph one of the better players where if LeBron weren't around, you'd hear of him being spoken of in these legendary terms. 
Steph Curry has one of his best NBA Finals nights of his career. Gets him in front. George Hill goes up there, splits at the free throw line, and then all of a sudden, here's J.R. Smith going dee-dee-dee all over the damn floor. And they go to OT. The Warriors suddenly reinvigorated, having gotten a reprieve. Put it down and smash him. If I'm LeBron James, I'm pissed. And you saw the clip of after he does the interview, he does the post, post-game press conference, he gets frustrated, gets up and walks out with his tight man purse and shorts. That was a weird outfit. What the hell are you wearing, dude? But he gets up and storms off. He's pissed. And I would be too. Look at this team that I, you got me out here with. J.R. Smith, the corpse of Kevin Love. I can't even tell you who half the damn Warriors are. I know Larry Nance is on the team with Larry Nance Jr. And Jordan Clarkson, Jeff Green, solid player. But then they got guys like Ante Zizic and Rodney Hood. And this is the team that they put together at the trade deadline. This is a team that had Jay Crowder and that malcontent, the other Isaiah Thomas. Because that's what he's back to being. He's the other Isaiah now. The other Isaiah Thomas gets shipped out. They broke that whole damn team up. This is after Kyrie is gone. And Dwayne Wade had a cup of coffee before going back home to Miami. LeBron took the B team to the NBA Finals. And apparently the NBA, just to rub a little bit more salt in the wound, missed a lane violation by Draymond Green on the George Hill missed free throw. LeBron James, you could say he's one of the greatest players of all time. Some people will argue Michael Jordan. Some people will argue Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. Some old heads will argue it's Wilt Chamberlain. But you'll never hear any, you'll never hear me dispute that LeBron ain't the best player of this generation. That's for damn sure. I consider Michael Jordan better because Jordan was, you know, a better winner. And I'm sorry, that means a lot more to me than stats. That means a lot more to me than big games. Championships mean more. The participation ribbon generation wants to try to devalue winning championships because they've never won anything. If you've won something, and LeBron's got three. Let's keep it real. He's got three. So it's not like he's out here shut out. But six is better than three because Bron ain't getting four. Not, not this year. He ain't getting that fourth one this year. But LeBron is having the type of postseason that is making people who were not fans of his or fans of the Cavs have to take notice, like Jay Dilla and Guilty Simpson. This bitch is out here balling. The Warriors could do nothing against him, and they still won. He had a 51-point game. You ain't getting too many more performances. And again, I hate using the word performance, but you're not getting too many more games like that out of a motherfucker. You're just not. LeBron will probably have to average 50. He's probably going to have to pull a Wilt Chamberlain and average 50 in order to win this damn thing or to even make it interesting and get it to a sixth game. Because right now, it looks like this series is going to end in Oakland in game five. And if they ain't careful, Golden State might complete what they couldn't complete last year and sweep them. Because Kevin Durant's got a monster game in him at some point. Klay Thompson's got a monster game in him at some point. Steph's got at least another one in his back pocket. Andre Iguodala is probably going to return at some point in this series. Draymond Green is a pest. But Cleveland, or should I say LeBron and the Cavaliers, because there's never been a time that's been more adequate to use that term, or more appropriate, I should say, to use that term than this year. They are out here looking like pretty much the biggest joke 
to ever get to a championship series. And that's saying something considering the team that LeBron dragged kicking and screaming past my Pistons into the 2007 NBA Finals where they got swept. They ate a sweep. This is wild, man. J.R. Smith, don't sit up here and lie to the people, bro. We know what you said. We saw you. Trying to tell people you knew the game was tied. What? Come on, dog. Seriously, I understand anything is possible, but not that lie, dude. Not that lie, dude. Mm-mm. I don't buy it. The other thing about this is that this whole damn postseason has been this pissing contest between my generation and the millennials about LeBron and Jordan. What I'm going to say about LeBron and Jordan is simply this. Do I think Bron pound for pound is a better player than Michael Jordan? I do. But the thing is, they don't even play the same position. I've always looked at LeBron as some sort of hybrid of Magic Johnson and Dr. J with a little bit of Shaq because of his size. Jordan was the prototypical quintessential two guard. LeBron is this hybrid of a two guard and a small forward and a power forward with a little bit of point guard sprinkled in. He's the magic prototype. Kobe Bryant was the Jordan prototype. I've always considered Magic my favorite player of all time because I loved his game. And Bron has a lot of Magic's game in it, but he also has a lot of Dr. J's power game in him. He's not the shooter that Jordan is, but few people were. But he's got all the ability to read the floor, to be able to make moves, to be able to hit the right man. He did it last night in fighting George Hill, just that George Hill couldn't close the deal. It's a silly-ass argument because it's six of one, half dozen of the other in most cases. The reason I give the nod to Jordan, and I don't give a shit what any of you kids who've never won anything and got participation ribbons for showing up have to say, Jordan gets the edge over LeBron because he went to six NBA finals, won all six, and was MVP in all six. And no, the league wasn't easier back then. No, it wasn't softer back then. He actually had legit competition. It's just that he and his teams were so much better. They're a hybrid combination of LeBron's Cavaliers where you have this singular transformational player and you have this team that can go out there and punish you. That's what the Bulls did. And you kids who weren't around to see it, and you can see it on YouTube videos, you can act brand new and say, hey, the Bulls didn't have it that tough. They didn't even need Jordan. It was Scotty. You know, that stupid shit. Stop that. Stop it. Jordan was a beast. Jordan was the man. I went from hating Michael Jordan to respecting the shit out of Michael Jordan because of the player he was. LeBron James is from a different friggin' planet altogether. That dude is an alien. He plays 48 minutes a night. He, he never gets hurt. He does incredible superhuman things on the floor. He's got the court vision of Magic Johnson and the power of Shaq. He's a different kind of player altogether. The fact that this dude has managed to get into eight consecutive NBA finals, that's the type of shit where guys named Bill Russell, that's, that's the kind of rarefied air they're in. He's in. To go to the NBA finals eight times, eight consecutive years with two different teams. The first four with Miami, the last four with Cleveland. And yes, there is something to say about him losing five out of the eight. 
with Ray Allen hitting a jumper to keep it from being six out of eight. There is something to be said about that. We are not going to gloss over that here. We do not gloss over wins. That's the most important thing. Wins. I know. I know. But LeBron is so much better and you just watch him on the floor. Three and five. And he's got to reckon with that. Just like Wilt Chamberlain had to reckon with winning only two. He had to reckon with that. The reason we don't consider Wilt Chamberlain, who was every bit the super freak and then some that LeBron James is now. The reason that there are people not willing to fully give Wilt his due is because he got his ass handed to him most years by Bill Russell. He only beat Bill Russell twice. And they held that against him. So yes, there is going to be a strike next to LeBron James because he's lost five times in the NBA Finals. He's been there nine times in his career. Nine. This is his ninth trip to the finals. The previous eight, he went three and five. Lost in 2007. Lost to Dallas in 2011. Lost to San Antonio in 2014. And lost twice to Golden State. And should have lost in 2016. How would we be looking at him right now if Ray Allen doesn't hit that three and Draymond Green doesn't get suspended for game six two years ago? What are we looking at? One and seven with this possibly being one and eight? He's a hell of a player. One, he's, he's the best player of this generation and it's not even, not even fucking close. He has been masterful and it is a damn shame that a buffoon like J.R. Smith likely cost them the the momentum in this series. This went from being potentially Warriors and six to a Warriors sweep or Warriors and five thanks to his shenanigans. LeBron looked like he wanted to choke the shit out of the man right on the floor because he's been carrying these deadbeats for most of the damn postseason. He's pushing T with a team full of Drakes for sake. As for the Golden State Warriors, and I'll say this quickly, they are almost lost in the shuffle. They're almost lost in the sauce behind the greatness of LeBron because the things that they've been doing this postseason are unreal. That series against the Rockets, they just finished up. And yes, Chris Paul got hurt. I'm going to say, I'm going to have an unpopular opinion, as they like to say on Twitter these days. They were going to win that series with or without Chris Paul there. They were going to win game six in Oakland, and they were going to win game seven because the Rockets aren't built for this. And they showed you that. The Rockets yapped all year about they were they were the better team. Clint Capella all out screaming, we're better than them. We're the better team. The only reason that series went seven games was because the Warriors took their foot off the gas in games four and five. They had leads in both games. That series should have ended in Houston in game five. They took two games off and then went crazy in game six. I hadn't seen anything like that before because just like when you watch LeBron play and he does a bunch of shit that just has you sit there and say, are you kidding me? The Golden State Warriors as a collective do the same thing. Any lead over the Golden State Warriors that's 15 or less might as well be zero. A 15-point lead against them is not remotely safe. Hell, a 20-point lead against them isn't exactly safe. Because I've seen them evaporate 20-point leads. And it usually happens in the third quarter. That's what made last night so astonishing. Is that the Warriors came out with that invincible star from Super Mario Brothers. And smashed them in the face. And the Warriors magically got chased down. 
They got walked down by the Cavaliers. Really, they got walked down by LeBron. The Warriors in the third quarter are a runaway freight train. Choo-choo, motherfuckers. I said it on Monday night during Game 7 that even though the Rockets had done just about everything right on the scoreboard, you felt that train about to leave the station at halftime because the Warriors had just trimmed it down, trimmed it down, and been hanging around. They had a little misstep at the end of the first half, but you know damn well they were walking their ass down. And then the third quarter hit, and Steph started doing his thing, and Durant started hitting shots, and Draymond starts making plays, and Clay starts hitting shots, and Jordan Bell is snapping the ball in between his legs to set up Steph for triples, and all of a sudden it's the Harlem Globetrotters. And the Rockets were fucking toast. They were finished. They had no shot. Especially, of course, they had no shot literally and figuratively because they missed 27 consecutive threes. How in the hell does a professional basketball team miss 27 consecutive threes? 27. You can't miss 27 consecutive threes in a video game. You can't go out onto a court right now and take 27 shots from the various points of the arc. You cannot go out there either as a team or as a single player and miss 27 shots in a row. That is impossible. But from the second quarter to the fourth, when Eric Gordon finally knocked one down, the Rockets missed 27 straight threes. 27. They missed 37 for the game. They missed 28 of their last 29. They didn't deserve to have a sniff at the NBA Finals. Had the Rockets somehow stolen that series, despite having home court, having stolen that series and gotten to the Finals, I would have actually openly rooted for LeBron to beat him because the Rockets wouldn't deserve to be there. That's a deadbeat team. And people can hate the Golden State Warriors. I don't get how you could. I don't see how you could myself. I, I mean, yeah, you know what? Check that. I can see how you wouldn't like Draymond. I love Draymond because Day-Day's a Spartan. And he was a pain in the ass to everybody in the Big Ten long before he was a pain in the ass to everybody in the NBA. I love me some Draymond. Saginaw stand up. But I can see how if he's not on your team, you can't stand his ass. I get that. And we've already hashed out over the last couple of years the whininess and pettiness to why people don't like Kevin Durant. And yes, he's a bit of a he's a bit of a dick. Heel Kevin Durant is maybe my favorite Kevin Durant, and he's been a heel since that last year in Oklahoma City. Y'all still haven't gotten over the fact that he exercised his free agent right to go wherever the hell he wanted to go. And of course, he went to the best team because you all would have done it. But the rest of that Golden State Warrior team, explain to me how exactly you could hate Steph Curry. How you going to hate on the shimmy? The only person who hates on the shimmy is Chris Paul. Everybody else loves him. How you going to hate on Klay Thompson? Klay Thompson is harmless until you give him the ball outside the arc. How you going to hate on Andre Iguodala? JaVale McGee's a goof. Nick Young's a weirdo. Kevon Looney has no personality whatsoever. Steve Kerr is an awesome human being and a great American. How are you going to hate this team? I can see why you don't like the New England Patriots. I can see why you don't like the New York Yankees and the Boston Red Sox and the Dallas Cowboys. I can see how largely you didn't care much for the Miami Heat when they actually had LeBron and Bosch and Wade. They were gross. 
I could see how people could not like the LA Lakers largely because they despised Kobe. I see and get all of this, but I don't get how you don't like the Golden State Warriors. I don't. Houston Rockets were a much more insipid team to me than the Rock than the uh, the, the Warriors were. Their attitudes, their arrogance, their gutlessness, this aloofness. I don't like the way they play, the walk it up the floor and all these dribbles and jack up threes, that Mike D'Antoni ball that's never won a damn thing, all that. I don't get how you don't like the Golden State Warriors, but well, anything is possible. My name is Jay Scott Smith, telling you to take care of yourself. God bless, always dare to be different. Always have your pets spayed or neutered. And we are out of here. Who knows, by the time I get episode 79 up, we might be talking about the end of this series. And don't forget, later on in the month of June, we got ourselves another retro review as we're coming up on the 20th anniversary of the 1998 King of the Ring. So you've been warned. Look for that the week of June 20th. Until then... Goodbye, everybody. I don't know what to say. It is one of the most brain-dead, idiotic things uh-huh. that I've ever witnessed right. in covering basketball life. I didn't cover C. Webb in the Final Four. Right. And that's an honest mistake because you know, throws a action timeout. I didn't cover Isaiah Thomas going up against the Great Bird and McHale teams in Boston. That kind of stuff happened trying to throw a quick inbounds pass, but it still wasn't the smartest decision in the world. And we know how brilliant and cerebral Isaiah Thomas is. In the case of J.R. Smith, I don't know what to say. You get the feeling J.R. Smith thought they had the lead. Check it out. This is JSC Radio. Man, do I love card night. You ready, boys? You got a king? Go fish that. Oh, come on. (laughs) This is WWE superstar Titus O'Neil. It only takes a moment to make a moment. Take time to be a dad today. Learn more at 877-4DAD-411 or visit fatherhood.gov. Brought to you by the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services and the Ad Council. I heard on the news about that five-year-old who found his uncle's gun. The kid didn't know it was loaded. I heard on the news about that 14-year-old girl who was bullied online for like a year. She couldn't take it anymore, so she got her dad's gun from his nightstand. I heard on the news about that guy who broke into someone's house, stole a gun from the hall closet. He accidentally shot his cousin in the head. She killed herself. And later killed the owner of the store he was trying to rob. If you own a gun, you have a full-time responsibility. When you aren't using it, Be sure it can't get into the hands of curious children, troubled teenagers, a thief, or anyone else who might misuse it. Your family, friends, and neighbors are all counting on you. Remember, always lock it up. For more information on firearm storage safety, visit ncpc.org. This message brought to you by the National Crime Prevention Council, the Bureau of Justice Assistance, and the Ad Council.